Welcome to Fantasy Sports Daily with Kyle L. Frank and Ray Flowers, Monday through Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Don't forget to use the promo code FSD20 for a 20% discount on the products over at FantasyGuru.com. When we all got together about 24 hours ago, there was nothing happening at the baseball winter meetings. Well, things have changed in a full day. We welcome you into Fantasy Sports Daily. Kyle Elfrey here, Ray Flowers, over there, appearing to be in the uh, Christmas spirit. Uh, I believe that's our first Christmas sweater of the season. Is that it right, is. Ray? Little yeah. Santa Claus there. Yeah, you know, this is, this is, I guess, technically an ugly sweater. This is one of the ones we were talking about the other day, so I thought I'd put it on there. It's not too ugly, though. It's got Santa Claus no. and Christmas trees. There's no technically about it, Ray. It's just ugly. Oh, okay. All right, fair. <laughs> it's not technical. It's it's just ugly. Meanwhile, I'm dressed the uh, same way I was probably on March 2nd. I don't know. Just kind of holding with the uh, same outfit moving forward. We got a lot to get to uh, today on this Thursday with the arrival of week 14 in the NFL. So let's take a look. I mentioned Major League Baseball. How about that? We're going to start the show with a little baseball in December. We'll give them a victory. Baseball never wins the day. Uh, we'll give them a victory on this Thursday. It's kind of live on the football anyway. I mean, who cares about the Patriots and the Steelers? Uh, so we'll start you with a little baseball. Big trade. Juan Soto is off to the New York Yankees. Uh, some other free agent signees. Uh, Eduardo Rodriguez has a home for 2024 and beyond. The Reds making uh, more moves. And the uh, Craig Kimbrell to Baltimore move is now official. So we'll talk some baseball to get things rolling. Then we will bring in our friend Ryan Clifford, who will give us the lowdown on DFS for tonight's showdown slate. Ray, um, a 30 is the over-under for Pittsburgh and New England, and I totally get it. It's like absolutely understandable that the Patriots and the Steelers are sitting with a 30 going into tonight. I think it was 29 and a half when, the week op when they opened, too. It was even worse. I mean, it's... Yeah, we've talked about it. This, the Patriots are playing really good defense, and their offense does absolutely nothing. So, yeah, that that I can't – I mean, we say this a lot of times. Like, you'll, you'll see a line like that, and it's like, there's no chance they're going to score 45 points tonight. There's no chance. Like, it would take, <laughs> like, punt blocks and kick return. Like, it would take some crazy stuff, pick sixes. Uh, these are two offenses that just aren't very good. But, hey, we are uh, gluttons for a system, and the system says on Thursday we preview the game. Even if it doesn't deserve to be previewed, we're going to preview it. So Ryan Clifford's going to join us. His column will be up a bit later this afternoon over at FantasyGuru.com. We will take a look at the remainder of Week 14. We've got injury news, of course. Kind of a big Week 14 for returns. Uh, Justin Jefferson, the long-awaited return for the Vikings wide receiver. We also could see Dallas Goddard back for the Eagles and uh, Dante Foreman making things even more confusing for us in the Bears' backfield. So we'll get to all of that. News and notes, uh, like I said, a lot of baseball, a lot of football. Have some fun on a Thursday, as always. You can hit us up with your questions um, in the chat room if you're following us on uh, Facebook or on YouTube or X, wherever you are enjoying us live on this Thursday. We'd love to hear from you. And as always, Ray, the promo code is still in effect. Uh, Ray informed us yesterday that he wants everyone to use our promo code and not the promo code of Jeff Manns. I don't know how that's going to go, but Ray, you can uh, sell the goods if you'd like right now. Yeah, I will. And we're going to use FSD20. Make make it make it live, folks. Make it <laughs> trending on the social media, FSD20. Uh, that'll get you the discount over at fantasyguru.com, and it's on all of our products, so you can use it for anything you want. Uh, we've got bundles, so you can get uh, all the sports at, at one time. We've got single sports if you'd rather do that. 
We've got the football package. It's $99.99 the rest of the season. That's all the way through the Super Bowl. That includes our betting content for football. That includes our seasonal coverage for football. And that includes DFS for football. So that's all the way through. That's one of the packages. But all the packages over at FantasyGuru.com, you can use the promo code FSD20 and get a 20% discount. Okay, so there you go. You can enjoy uh, all the stuff behind the wall, as they like to say. And there's a lot of good stuff behind that wall. Uh, Ray's latest uh, game day column, I think, is up this morning. It's the lead article on there, I think, right now at this moment, taking a look at week 14. So a lot of insight there. And yes, even Ray probably gave 800 words to the Patriots and the Steelers. I, we got to cover it, Kyle. You got it right. <laughs> got to do it. Yeah, it's a game, so, so we got to play it. Um, okay, we'll save the football for a bit later. Again, we'll be talking to Ryan Clifford in about 15 minutes. Until then, Ray, uh, baseball. Because we do have baseball news. We don't have a Shohei Otani signing. Uh, we are all still awaiting that. And I think a lot of the, the the slowness, the coolness of the hot stove is because everybody's just waiting for the Otani shoe to drop, which some thought it would happen uh, this week in Nashville. Uh, they have now closed down the proceedings at the winter meeting, so... It's not happening in Nashville, but I, I would think in the next week or so we'll get an answer on Shohei Atani. Uh, we did get an answer yesterday, Ray, on another big situation this offseason, Juan Soto and uh, his future. Still insanely young. Like, it's it's hard to realize, right? What is he, 25 still? Yeah. He's crazy young. But he is due for free agency following the 2024 season. I guess it's been about 16 months ago, San Diego uh, gave up you know, probably four or five top prospects to bring in Juan Soto. Um, don't know if it worked, but I appreciate the the go for it. I, I want teams to go for it, and San Diego did. Didn't work. Blew up in their face. So, Ray, they go into an offseason. They need to cut salary. Uh, their lead owner, who spent all this money, unfortunately passed away. So, San Diego's kind of reassessing where they stand. Didn't sound like Soto was really going to be in their plans because they weren't going to fork over another 500 million bucks when they already have Tatis and Machado and Bogarts. So they're going in another direction. Uh, trade to the New York Yankees, which I think at the outset, Ray, of the offseason, that was kind of the, the spot a lot of people thought that Soto might end up. Uh, he does. It makes for a fantastic offense in the Bronx. I mean, just the simple idea of Judge and Soto is perhaps the best one, too. I thought San Diego did well to get what they got for one year of Juan Soto. Uh, before we kind of dig into Soto, the Yankees, the Padres, your overall assessment of uh, this trade and, and kind of grades for the Yankees and grades for the Padres. You got there, Ray? Do we have Ray? We may have lost Ray. Ray seems frozen. I know he was having some internet issues earlier. Maybe my long lead into Juan Soto being traded to the Yankees just froze him too much. So, we will await the return of Ray Flowers. Until then, I get to give my assessment. Here's what I'll say for the Yankees. Um, B plus, maybe A minus. It's not that, hey, they got Juan Soto and they're going to keep Juan Soto. No, it's not that. It's they're the Yankees. And they're coming off a lousy season. And when you're the Yankees, you make big moves. You make big splashes. You add guys like Juan Soto. What the Yankees gave up for Juan Soto, it works for San Diego. But I don't think any of those guys that the, the Yankees gave up, were they going to be world beaters with the New York Yankees? I would say no. Juan Soto can be an absolute world beater with the bat. Um, like I said with Ray, Judge Soto, 
if you get Stanton, it's a good lineup. It's a you got the top two. I would say two of the top five hitters in all of baseball now in your lineup. Uh, the Dodgers can maybe say something similar with a Freeman Betts combo. And let it be known, just having two hitters doesn't necessarily win you titles. Look no further than the Padres. But what you have with Soto is an absolute stud. And has he been great every single month of his career? No, he's not been great. But has he been very, very good every single year of his career? Absolutely. There is no doubt Juan Soto can hit. There is no doubt Juan Soto can get on base. There is no doubt that Juan Soto is feared in Major League Baseball. There is also no doubt that Yankee Stadium should play up his power. I don't know if there were any questions as to if Juan Soto was a first-round pick before this trade, but if there were, those questions are absolutely erased when he goes to the Yankees. Absolutely erased. So you look at Juan Soto and you say, yeah, he's a first-round pick. You look at Aaron Judge and you say, yeah, with Juan Soto next to him, he's a first-round pick. Uh, Ray Flowers appears to be back with us. Ray, I said I give the Yankees probably an A-minus on this trade. Uh, most of it is it's because these are the moves the Yankees are supposed to make. Mm-hmm. Go out and get a bat. Now, we can worry about defense. His defense sucks. We can worry about Aaron Judge being in center field. But as a bat, putting him with Aaron Judge, very, very impressive. They, they should have massive numbers with those two guys at the top of the lineup this year. Yeah, and it's it'll be fascinating to see what the batting order looks like. I can't believe I'm having internet issues when we get to talk about baseball for the first time on the show. It's a terrible time. Uh, I think it'll be fascinating to see because a lot of people are thinking Judge and Soto 2-3, so then it'll be who hits in front of them, right? Who's in the one spot? Kind of like we would say with the Angels last year, we were excited about Taylor Ward because we thought he was going to hit leadoff in front of Trout and Otani. I mean, Judge and Soto... <laughs> You know, these guys are minimum 400 on base percentage guys, minimum. Mm-hmm. And back to back like that, I mean, whoever's hitting in front of the other one, I, you want to put that guy on base and not like there's not much you can do. They're patient hitters. They know the strikes on all that. You don't want to just groove pitches to hit it. But this is about as good a one-two duo, let's just say it ever, in terms of their plate discipline, in terms of their ability to get on base. Like these guys take walks, they work counts, they have power. It's extremely exciting from a Yankees perspective. Uh, I don't know if they're, you know, they got a lot of questions about the rest of their lineup and all of that. But combining those two guys, lefty, righty like that, uh, that is damn impressive, Kyle. And if you were to guess right now, Ray, and again, we're we're still early in the offseason and don't put it past the Yankees to make more moves. Um, They might concentrate more on pitching now because pretty well what they gave up for Soto was a bunch of pitching depth uh, to get him. But in terms of that lineup, Ray, uh, DJ LeMay, who's probably somewhere in there, He's maybe ahead of these two guys, depending on how they want to set it up. I, I guess Anthony Rizzo and Glaber Torres are behind these guys. And, and I just wonder, you know, judge is judge. Soto is Soto. First round picks. Do do these two make enough of a an impact to where all of a sudden you kind of say, well, I like Rizzo, maybe five or six more slots amongst first basemen. Maybe I move him up or Glaber Torres. Um, you know, a top eight shortstop simply because of what we got with these two guys in the lineup ahead of those two players. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how obviously the lineup comes together. It's huge. They still have Alex Verdugo. There was a lot of thought that he mm-hmm. would be included in the trade for Soto. He wasn't. Uh, and Verdugo is kind of a classic number two hitter. Probably not the way the Yankees are going to do it. They want to get the extra plate appearances for Soto and Judge. So it'll be interesting to see what the batting order is in the middle because they could go righty Judge, lefty Soto, righty Torres, lefty Rizzo. Like, that'd be a very 
interesting way to for an opponent to try to you know attack them. That may not be the way they do it because Rizzo's been that cleanup hitter, third hitter for the majority of his career. Did struggle last year. Uh, you know, they could have a very impressive lineup because in addition to Verdugo, if Stanton can stay healthy, you know, I mean, this could be could be something. There's a lot of age here. There's injury risk here. Uh, judges miss time. Uh, DJ LeMay is over 35 years old. Riz is over 34 coming off a tough season. <laughs> Stanton's 34 years old. We're getting reports he's going to lose weight to try to. So, I mean, it, you know, this could blow up in their face, Kyle. It could be the, it could be Judge and Soto just doing their thing with no one else around them. We'll see what happens. Well, and, and uh, defensively, Ray, you, you brought this question up yesterday with Judge in center field. You know, let, let it be known. Aaron Judge is a good outfielder, by the way. Um, Alex Verdugo is a good outfielder. Juan Soto is not. Um, he, he's a below average outfielder, according to all the rankings. And I, I mean, is he a bad defensive player? Um, he's not good. Let's just say that. <laughs> Ray, they're going to move Judge, it looks like, to center field. Now, there may be another move or something happens, but Aaron Judge is kind of your center fielder here. I, I will say I get the concerns, and I understand you don't want, like, a, a six foot eight guy, you know, running around center field. Last year, he did bust up his toe and miss months because of a defensive injury. But you mentioned Stanton saying healthy. Forget that. It ain't happening. Stanton's right. always heard. Right. Judge probably slides into your DH when that occurs. Um, they did get Trent Grisham Who's a good in this deal. Which Grisham is not a starter with the way this lineup is built now, but Ray, I bet he gets a lot of starts this year for the Yankees. There will be an injury, whether it's Judge or um, Lemayhew or, or certainly Stanton. Grisham will get time, and when that injury happens to Stanton, I, I think we'll get a lot of games of Judge DHing and then Grisham going into center field. Yeah, Grisham is a good defensive outfielder, so he would help there. Um, Grisham, the only hope in—I mean, we've seen it with Grisham, right? There's power and speed. He's a 15-15 kind of player. Uh, doesn't doesn't get on base at a great clip. The batting average isn't there, strikeouts. So he's a limited offensive player. There would be a lot of excitement if he enters the lineup and is hitting like first or second, like if they made that mm -hmm. choice. Most likely he enters the lineup and hits eight or ninth and nothing changes and he's just a guy. So he's an AL only play. But uh, at the moment, at this moment in time, like Grisham, is he draftable in a, in a, in a mixed league? No. Is he someone I'd be thinking about in, in an AL only league? Yeah, because I agree with you. I think there's a very realistic possibility that he gets a lot more plate appearances than some people are thinking he will at this moment in time. We are uh, two months out from like draft season really picking up, uh, you know, early February, certainly by March, they get crazy. Judge and Soto, Ray, uh, top five in, in fantasy baseball? Are, are we going to see two Yankees going in the top five, you think, in a lot of places? I mean, I think that there's a multiple questions. I've already seen this. Like, I've seen, well, you know, Juan Soto could hit 50 home runs this year. Well, okay, he could. He never hit, what, 35s? Never hit 35, time. right. And 50 is a huge number. Like, he could, but <laughs> uh, the hype will be out of control with him. And we'll get all the stories which are legitimate with him, right? Because he is a he's he's a fantastic offensive player. And just to remind everyone, if it's been a long time, he's one of the few players that I, when he was called up, I said, empty the budget. Like mm -hmm. I and I never do that. You and I have done this for you. I've never say that on in Tout Wars. I think I spent $480 of my thousand to get Juan Soto that year. He's a phenomenal offensive player. So I think there's a lot of hype that's warranted there. In the case of Judge, performance, yes. But Kyle, you know this as well as I do. He doesn't stay on the field. 112 games, 102 games, 28 out of 60 games, 106 games last year. Like mm -hmm. he's in the Mike Trout zone. So I would feel much more comfortable with Soto because his floor to me is much higher than it is with Judge, even if Judge's ceiling is higher than Soto's.
I, I think we will see both guys go in the top five, top six in a lot of places. I think both guys will constantly be in the first round. Um, you're right on the risk with Judge. I think it's absolutely there. But it, it, baseball is, um, you know, pitchers are kind of no longer even, I don't want to say considered, but I, I don't think people are going to reach for starting pitchers in the first round. That's not going to happen. So it's all going to be hitters. You know, 95% of the of the first rounds are going to be loaded with hitters. Yep. And when you profile it that way, these guys are superstars. Like when they're on, they they just blow it up. You know, when if, if Judge gives you 140 games, it's it's a massive 140 games, more than likely. So I, I think both guys will land in the first round. And I think we will see a couple of Yankees in the top five. Obviously, Otani is going to go there. Mookie Betts is going to go in there. And then we'll have to see some other names uh, that may land in there. Trey Turner, you know, he's going to be in the first round. There's a lot of guys who will be in the first round. I think these two will be there constantly. Um, as for San Diego, Ray, um, as I noted, th this is kind of what I said yesterday. San Diego needs guys who can help them now. And I know none of these names will set the world afire, but I think they actually got probably four guys on their everyday roster, maybe five guys on their everyday roster. They saved a ton of money. They got young arms. I don't think any of them are great arms. Uh, Michael King's probably the biggest name here for those who checked out like in August of last year. You probably miss Michael King just posting zeros like crazy. I, I don't think he's that level of pitcher. He was great down the stretch, Ray. Uh, he showed some real growth. Uh, some of his pitches are considered the best in baseball when you rank things, according to the people who rank pitches. So, so I like what the Padres got here. There's no superstars. There's no you know top 20 prospects coming their way. But I thought overall the Padres did fairly well to maybe get a couple of back-end starters, a couple of middle relievers, and a backup catcher in the trade. But remember... They, the Padres dealt all their young guys to get Soto. James Wood is one of the top hitting prospects in baseball. Robert Hassel is one of the top outfield prospects in baseball. CJ Abrams, we saw him explode last season. Mackenzie Gore is there. Like they, mm -hmm. they needed stuff back. The stuff they got back ain't what they sent out. Yeah. Like it's a net negative for the Padres. There's no way to spin it. There's a net negative. They got Josh Bell and Juan Soto for half a season. Total. But they took loss. their shot. They took, they took their shot. Yeah. That's why I have no issues. No. I get it, trading prospects, but I, I I don't see this as egg on the face of the Padres. I really don't. I, I, I know a lot of people think, oh, you blew it with Juan Soto. I, I thought the trade was worth going after. Mm -hmm. uh, sure, it hurts, but they knew that when they made the oh, trade. Oh, 100%. It's not like they traded guys and all of a sudden they became something with the Nationals. They knew, and they had three years. They mm -hmm. only got two years or a year and a half of Soto. It, it blew up. It didn't work, but I, I applaud them for making the move. And I thought what they got back was B-level, considering he's going into his walk year. He wasn't going to sign. There were like two teams involved in the market. They, they got numbers, if nothing else. Because again, Ray, I think all these guys will be on the opening day roster. Yeah, and you're, you're right. I mean, let's say it's a loss for the Padres. I applaud any team for going for it. I'm never going to sit here and say don't go for it. It never made sense. And you and I said this when Soto was acquired originally. We're like, they're going to pay $2 billion to their, like, where is this money coming from? Oh, we did. Oh. We're trying to find Ray. I think he's freezing up on us again. Um, no, the, the names, just to give them to you as we wait, Ray, to come back, Michael King, Drew Thorpe, Johnny Brito, and Randy Vasquez. Those are the four pitching names. None of them profile as, like, future aces. I don't think any of them profile as number twos. Maybe Michael King's a three. Maybe you can get Thorpe, who's the youngest of these guys in a couple of years. He's a four. It's depth. 
it's a depth play here. Brito Vasquez, their bullpen guys, Higashioka, a backup catcher. So pretty decent depth here. And uh, like I said, I, I applaud the Padres for going for it when they made the move for Soto. And I think they got a decent enough package back. No superstars here, but considering what they were dealing with, a decent enough job. Uh, that Soto news was the big news, uh, confirmed late yesterday afternoon, kind of at the tail end of the winter meetings in Nashville. Uh, we did get some other signings uh, done on the final day of business in Nashville. And Ray, there's some interesting names here. Um, again, no earth-shattering moves, but Jamar Candelario was kind of a unexpected fantasy bonus last year. Mm -hmm. a very, third base sucked last year, and Jamar Candelario was one of the stronger guys. He ends up in Cincinnati, uh, three years, 45 million. And then the other notable signing, Eduardo Rodriguez, ending up with Arizona, four years, 80 million. Let's start with Candelario. Like I said, surprise last season. Is, is there more to come? Is that as good as it gets? Can he repeat some of these things with the move to Cincinnati? What do you think of his outlook for this year? Yeah, I don't think they gave him money to not have him be in the lineup every day, which is something we could talk about. They got a lot of options here in the infield. I think that Candelario, could he repeat last season? Yes. I don't think there's another level. Uh, he's 30 years old. He's been an effective offensive player at times in his career, but he kind of all came together last season. Doesn't strike out a lot, walks a decent amount, controls the strike zone pretty well. Uh, his career on base percentage is not great at 325. But the last four years, it's been better than that. So it seems like he's really found a way to control the strikes on a little bit better. He's not a 30 home run guy. He's not a, a real speed guy. So, again, I think last season's kind of what he is, to your mm -hmm. point. Third base is not an overly deep position, especially in the fantasy landscape. And with the Reds being so young, they probably wanted to get a, a you know a switch hitter uh, that has a good approach that can work with some of these youngsters. So it's a good landing spot, too, because the lineup is banging. And it's yeah. a really good place to hit. But I don't think there's much more to give for Candelero versus what we saw last season. And, and there is some fallout here. You add him and you assume he's the, the everyday third baseman. Spencer Steer, who was a rookie last year, played very well at third base. He had over 20 home runs for the Reds. He's maybe not the dynamic, you know, asset that De La Cruz is. But but Steer's a, a good asset to have in your lineup. Probably moving to the outfield. And, you know, their outfield is okay. I mean, Friedel had a good year last season. But... Somebody like Will Benson, Ray, probably loses out because it sounds like Spencer Steer, who bounced around the diamond last season, he's probably going to bounce to the outfield the majority of the time this year. Yeah, the this only makes sense, and I'm not the first person to say this. This only makes sense, this addition of Candelario, if the Reds are trading a position player or two for pitching. Mm -hmm. Because the way the lineup is constructed now, you're going to have Christian Encanacio Strand on the bench. Will Benson on the bench or Jake Fraley, who went 15, 20 last year on the bench. Like there's just the lineup doesn't. And that's not one guy's. That's like three guys battling for one spot. So two of those guys are on the bench every day with the way the roster is constructed. So there will be some kind of trade here. It'll be very interesting to see because guys like McLean and Steer, these guys have multi-position eligibility, which is really mm -hmm. nice in the fantasy space. Maybe guys will pick some extra stuff up this year. Uh, you know, Cavalier can play first base too if they decide to go in that direction. But yeah, this is. This is the, the you always say it, Kyle. It kind of works itself out. Like a lot of times, oh, they have too many hitters. Three yeah. guys get hurt. Oh, they have too much pitching. Guys get hurt, or there's a trade. But there has to be some fallout here, roster wise, because they need some pitching. They've been investigating that, and they have too many everyday players at the moment. Yeah, they've they've been rumored with Cease uh, with the White Sox, Glasnow with Tampa. So they they've been rumored as being a part of those discussions. So maybe this does set up and. 
You mentioned how things work out. Um, just real quickly, Nick Senzel, four years ago, he was supposed to be the future of the Reds. Yep. Uh, interesting that uh, he, he's never been healthy enough to be the future. He's always heard. But he inked a deal with Washington yesterday, one year, two million bucks. So things eventually do work out. Even with all the talent the Reds have in young hitters, you're hoping half those guys stick. Um, we all think they're going to be stars, but honestly, the odds say about half of them uh, become what they think they're going to become. Uh, Eduardo Rodriguez, quickly on him, Ray. Uh, I, I've never been somebody who's a proponent of Eduardo Rodriguez. And a lot of that is, you know, old fashioned yesterday's news kind of stuff. He he just never seemed to be reliable enough. Certainly in his early days, there always seemed to be something that cropped up with Eduardo Rodriguez. I guess he's stabilized enough in the last two or three years, Ray, um, to at least earn $80 million over the next four years. Do you look at Eduardo Rodriguez, because this is always the question with pitching, and say, that's a good bet for 160 innings. Is he a good bet for 160, or is he still a guy you're crossing your fingers with and you're hoping to get 25 starts out of? He turned 31. He turns 31 in a couple months. He's got 160 innings pitched once. <laughs> uh, he was. He's been in the 150s two of the last three. Yeah. Um, but I'm I'm in that same boat with you with with Rodriguez. It's like, look, coming into last season, he's got a 4-1 ERA and a 1-3 WHIP. I mean, he's he's league average. Strike out an inning, okay, right? Last year things improved, right? The ratios get better. They're the best ratios he's had. The strikeout rate disappears. Like it, 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 it goes way down. It was down actually in 2022 as well. So I think it's a good signing. It's not a huge contract. You know, it's a good atmosphere. He's a lefty, all these kind of things. Mm -hmm. But I, I don't get, I don't look at him and say he's a, he's bankable for 160 innings. And I certainly wouldn't be drawstring him at the moment thinking I'm getting a repeat of those ratios last year, especially the whip. And there's a big difference between a 115 whip and a 132 whip. So he's better than average, but he's not someone that I'm going to be, you know, racing to get on draft day in 2024 sp3 four i'd like him to be my four they'll yeah. be he'll be probably drafted as a three though i think that's fair um so rodriguez going to the d-backs good to see both the reds and the d-backs spending some money uh craig, craig kimbrell that deal's official we, we brought this up yesterday that it was close with baltimore uh one year 12 million bucks i wouldn't it, it, kimbrell's not locked as the closer there is he ray i mean they, they can go other routes i think as well they can i i think they they obviously sign him with the expectation he'd fill that role he's still very effective he can lose it for 10 days though and that's a problem right where he just can't mm -hmm. throw strikes and gives up home runs and all that i think they signed him i think it's fair to say let's not expect him to get 35 saves let's say let's get 25 saves and hope we get more but he's still quite effective even though he's 35 they do have other options but he was brought in to ostensibly be their lead guy in the bullpen Fairly quiet in Nashville during the winter meetings, but at least on this final day, Wednesday, we got some moves. Again, the big one, Soto going to the Yankees. Ray and I kind of starting the show with uh, a few viewpoints on the baseball side. Still waiting on Otani, uh, Blake Snell, more of the trade market, Bellinger, all those guys still available as we go uh, into the December uh, portion of the hot stove league. Um, okay, we'll break away from baseball. And Ray, let's do some football. Thursday night football is here. Um, I don't know if this is the least enticing game of the year, but it might very well be, which means we better find some fun with DFS because DFS is always fun. Even with lousy teams, the uh, Steelers hosting the Patriots tonight, Pittsburgh still in the playoff race too. So as bad as this game looks on the surface, it is very important 
for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Joining us now to uh, break it all down, Ryan Clifford, back with us on Fantasy Sports Daily. Ryan, it is good to see you. Um, back me up on this. D- DFS at least gives you a reason to, to, to play, to watch, to follow this game. If we didn't have DFS, I'm not watching this game, Ray's not watching it, and you're not watching it either, are you? Yeah, if you're not a Steelers or Pats fan, you're definitely not <laughs> tuning into this one. Unless you're a huge Al Michaels fan. Maybe maybe there's people out there who, who care about that. Um, let's start with injuries. Um, Najee Harris, I guess he's mispracticed on Tuesday and Wednesday. Assuming he, I, I still think he's going to play here, but kind of game plot this for us. If Harris is available, he's in there. How do you look at this backfield? And if he's at, out of the lineup, do you get really excited about Jalen Warren for tonight? I, kind of play out those two scenarios for us. Yeah, it's <laughs> this whole game is just going to be, you know, throwing darts and, and guessing what <laughs> the heck is going to happen. It's unprecedented uh, 30 total. Um, I keep, you know, historical data on all these showdown slates since the start of 2021. The lowest total we've had has been 32.5 since the mm. start of 2021. We've only had 22 games under 36.5. Um, so who knows what's going to happen here. Running back situation, uh, we did get the green light from Ian Rappaport on Najee Harris. He's okay. expected to play tonight. Uh, I wish I knew a little bit more about that injury. Um, on the surface, I, I would prefer Najee Harris for sure in a matchup like this. I think Warren's the guy that comes out uh, is a little bit better with pass protection um, on passing downs. You'll see a lot of Warren. I don't know that we're going to get a whole lot of those tonight. Um, So on the surface, it's Harris a short week though, dealing with an injury, you know, maybe you lean towards Warren Um, and, you know, obviously I think anybody that's watched the Steelers this season, you know, Warren's the more explosive back for sure. Um, mm-hmm. What does that mean in a game like this? I don't know that it means much. Um, <laughs> so I I prefer Ezekiel Elliott over both of those guys. I think he's okay. got obviously like the clear one. There's this much clearer picture there in New England. So um, for me, I think my rankings would be Zeke one, Harris two, Warren three. Yeah, and it's interesting looking at the the slate tonight over at DraftKings. The most expensive guy is Stevenson, who's not even playing, right? A running back who's you know wasn't really even that great in the fantasy space until the last three or four weeks. Um, you you mentioned Ezekiel Elliott. What are some reasonable expectations, Ryan? Because the Patriots offense, you know, you say you prefer him, which I'm not de- debating with you about, but their offense is so bland. Like even him getting in the end zone seems kind of like, well, let's hope. Like there's, there doesn't seem to be any excitement with Elliott being a up end play. It's more of just getting that floor. Talk to us about him a little bit more. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> with the showdown contest, you know, you've got to, you've got to pick somebody, unfortunately. So, um, <laughs> you know, no matter how bad all of these options in this game are, um, you're tr- kind of looking for the best ones. Um, and to me, Zeke's the guy that's going to have the ball in his hands the most tonight. Uh, Pittsburgh's, been really good against the run. I don't think there's much hope for, you know, a 120-yard, two-touchdown game for Zeke. Um, but, you know, catching a few passes in that PPR scoring uh, and getting 20 carries is certainly not out of the question for Zeke. And I think in a game, if it stays under 30 points, you know, that's going to be more than enough to get him into that optimal lineup. 
Well, and, and maybe we've buried the lead here, Ryan. I mean, whenever we keep talking about, oh, gosh, neither of these offenses can produce and 30 point. How about the defenses? I mean, we, we usually don't profile them as like a top choice, but and, and maybe you can explain it for people who aren't readily familiar, but what do defenses have to do in like DraftKings or FanDuel to pay off? I mean, I'm looking at the price tags here, I guess 6,600 uh, for the Steelers. Uh, looks like the Patriots, where are they at? I mean, 5,000. Like, do we have to get pick sixes? Do we have to create fumbles? Do, can you get points just by shutting down the other offense? How attractive are these defenses tonight? Yeah, on a normal showdown slate, uh, in a normal game, you're going to need those pick sixes. You're going to need turnovers, uh, sacks. In a game like this, though, you know, a, if a defense can get to 12 points, uh, you know, they may be the optimal captain. Um, <laughs> I think Pittsburgh's defense is in an amazing spot here. They're mm. my favorite captain on the slate. Wow. Um, Bailey Zappi. You know, that, in general, that Patriots offense, like race has been a disaster this season. Uh, you know, this may be the game they come in and try to experiment with uh, Malik Cunningham. Who knows what they're going to do here, but I don't think it's going to be pretty. Um, and then the Patriots or the Steelers defense all season has been great at turning the ball over, getting into the backfield, getting sacks uh, and disrupting uh, the opposing offenses. So. Uh, Steelers defense for me is my top captain play. Well, Ryan, we, we were talking defense. Let's talk kickers, right? They kind of go <laughs> hand in hand, but what's the role of kicker tonight uh, in your model and your build? And is it something you might even shy away from with the expectation that a lot of people are going to look at this game and say, I'm going defense and kicker? Yeah. I, you know, I start my column today by saying, throw all of the rules out the window for this game. Um, generally, we don't want to play more than one kicker. Generally, we don't want a kicker at captain. Uh, I think either one of those is in play tonight. Um, hmm. are, are the offenses going to be able to generate enough yardage to get down into field goal range? Because that's what you're going to need from your kickers uh, is, is field goals. Um, you're probably going to need three or four of them. Um, and I think it's certainly possible tonight. I, I personally... And probably not going to be captaining kickers in this one, but I will have plenty of builds where I'm using both kickers. Um, I think that's certainly viable on, on a game like this. Ryan, you mentioned the fact that you you're out on the Patriots offense, and we're talking about you know positively about the Saints defense. Let's talk. I mean, Steelers defense. Excuse me. Let's talk about the Steelers offense through the air. Uh, Pickens, Deontay Johnson. They're the two most expensive guys at DraftKings. Either one of those uh, likely to find their way in with Trubisky now under center for the Steelers? Um, likely to find their way in? Probably not. Uh, I do prefer, strongly prefer Deontay Johnson over George Pickens. Uh, as the totals diminish, there's a very strong positive correlation with the PPR type wide receivers, um, the mm. big play threat type guys like Pickens. Uh, generally are, you know, throw them out the window once the total gets under, you know, 40. Um, not to say that, you know, they can't get lucky here and, and, and toss a, a long touchdown or something like that. If that happens, Pickens is obviously going to be in that optimal lineup, but uh, I don't think that that's very likely. Last thing, Ryan, uh, you say, hey, kind of a rare night where a defense – is your favorite captain a rare night where you've got 
at least one, if not two kickers in some of your builds. All this focuses on the fact that neither of these quarterbacks are all that enticing. Um, A, does every build have to have at least one quarterback? <laughs> and B, who's the quarterback of choice uh, if, if you do have to live by that rule? Oh, did we lose Ryan? We may have lost him. Either that, Ray, or the question had him completely frozen. <laughs> he didn't want to even answer this one. And, and I, again, Ryan's the expert on this. Right. And maybe we'll just let him go. So, you know, so we're having yeah. some connected uh, issues. But, Ray, I would assume there, there's always the, the need to have a quarterback just because we're all points. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they, I, I, I questioned it if I should even say this with these two guys, but even a bad quarterback can get you 13 points, right? Surely one of these guys, and I guess on the surface, rate, it's got to be Trubisky. He, he does have the ability to maybe rush for 25 yards in a score. Sure. sure. I'm not saying Zappy can't, but I just haven't seen anything with Zappy in the four or five games that we've caught over the last two years that has me thinking he's a better bet than Trubisky. There will be builds out there, I bet, with neither of these two guys. But I think a majority of builds will have to have at least one of these two. Yeah, the Patriots defense, as we talked about, uh, is playing really well. They've allowed 10 or fewer points in three straight games, right? They Or maybe it's uh, – yeah, it's 10 or fewer. So mm-hmm. they, they're they locking down opponents. Uh, the Steelers have been uneven. Uh, Trubisky can use his legs. Trubisky is not uh, – he's not afraid, a Jameis Winston style, to fling a ball up, right? Give his guys a chance to make a play. Uh, he would be the choice of the two because, as Ryan mentioned, you know, we got Cunningham involved. Maybe we get Mac Jones. Like, we have no idea what the Patriots are doing at the quarterback position or even on offense other than Ezekiel Elliott. Demario Douglas is out tonight. He's the only guy that's consistently been catching passes for them, too. So, yeah, if you had to play one quarterback, it definitely is Trubisky, but it does not. NOT lineup is a setting with uh, Trubisky that I have a lot of confidence in. Looking at the uh, DraftKings pricing, I can't imagine it's much different at FanDuel, but um, Trubisky's 9,200, Zappi's 9,000. So there's not much of a gap between those two. I do like Trubisky um, a majority of times when I'm doing these builds. Ray mentions Demario Douglas out. Obviously, Ramondre Stevenson is out. Uh, Ryan mentioned that it does sound like Najee Harris is in the clear. So he's going to be giving it a go. Uh, both the starting quarterbacks are out, Pickett, and uh, we assume Mac Jones not going to be under center. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster is questionable. Devontae Parker is questionable. Um, sounds like the Patriots will at least have Hunter Henry out there. They'll have Zeke Elliott out there. I just don't know if we're going to have many points. 8-15 tonight is that kickoff there. Uh, apologize for the technical difficulties with Ryan. His column probably going to be up in the next 20 minutes or so. Um, I would bet over at fantasyguru.com. And, of course, he and the rest of our staff will be hanging out in Discord later this evening to help you with those builds, no matter where you're playing. Um, if you've got X amount of dollars and you're looking for a punt, uh, Ryan's column certainly has some of his favorite punts. But you can also jump into Discord and uh, get some answers there. One of the, uh, the big thanks to Ryan Clifford for joining us there. Uh, looking elsewhere in Week 14, Ray, kind of where we stand on injuries, Seattle is becoming a, a topic of concern. Um, At least yesterday, neither Kenneth Walker nor Zach Charbonnet were practicing. A reminder to everybody, it was a week ago, Charbonnet against the Cowboys left very late in that game with a knee injury. Um, Now, they don't play until late Sunday afternoon. They're taking on San Francisco. But as of now, Ray, both these guys are certain question marks going into the weekend. Kenny McIntosh and DJ Dallas. DJ Dallas. I'm recording the Seahawks, baby. DJ Dallas. Yeah. I love, I, I love how everyone, too, I've seen this recently. 
We found the picture of DJ Dallas with his eyeballs bulging out of his head <laughs> over at Pro Football Reference two years ago. A lot of people just discovered it recently, and it's like making the rounds on social media. It's like, yeah, that's it's fantastic. It's when they told him he was starting on Sunday yeah. against the Niners. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, and this has been reported too. Like the the, the Seahawks are one of these teams. It's like the injury report. You know, we. Yeah. I'm kind. Of, I'm expecting Kenneth Walker to play. Me too. Yeah. That's what I'm expecting. But to your point, we really need these reports here uh, today on Thursday because as of now, both he and Charbonnet missing practice time. We've always said Walker missing a couple of games. Uh, I, Charbonnet might even play. We just we yeah. really don't know. We need more time on this one to decide. Uh, Brees Hall got a DNP yesterday, ankle injury. Now, you might recall it was last Sunday morning, like 20 minutes before the kickoff, that uh, we were informed, oh, hey, Dalvin Cook's going to get a lot of work. And, and he did see work more than usual. Brees Hall saw plenty of work in that game. Didn't do anything with that work. With the way the season has gone, Ray, I guess we'll just wait and see with Brees Hall. It wouldn't shock me if they say, ah, you know, maybe pull back this week, Brees. I, I, I think he will play, but his status today and tomorrow is very important. And uh, I guess the question would become if Hall's out, are you jumping on board the Dalvin Cook train or is that a foolish one to jump on? The only league I had Dalvin Cook still on a roster, I, I fell out of the playoffs. Uh, so I don't <laughs> thankfully have to deal with that. Um, I mean, they're going back to Zach Wilson, which is a net positive. He's the best quarterback option I have on the roster. It's not great. Um, if if Priest Hall is out, to me, Dalvin Cook is a flex option. Merely because there's a very reasonable expectation he's getting 12 to 15 touches in that offense. But we haven't seen much. He hasn't looked spry. Uh, he hasn't been involved. I, I would definitely consider Dalvin Cook, even if Bryce Brees Hall is out, I would consider Dalvin Cook kind of a punt play this week. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, uh, striking the head coach, was, was asked, uh, Come on. hey, said, we'll see about this week, which I, no way. You can't have thumb <laughs> surgery and be back in a, come on. I yeah, Crazier things have happened. Trevor Lawrence is dealing with the same thing. You know, we'll see. I, I think this is all late season gamesmanship ray i i don't think the jags expect to have lawrence and i don't think the colts expect to have taylor both are both are fighting for the playoffs and maybe they're looking at each other because they're both in the afc south and they're saying well you blink first i don't think it really matters but for the fantasy player it does matter i mean if jonathan taylor surprisingly started that would blow up a lot of plans mm -hmm. for people certainly the zach moss owner is getting a punch in the gut but i i don't think either lawrence or taylor is going to be out there this weekend yeah Oh, we may have lost Ray again there. Um, yeah, DMPs for both those guys. We'll see how it goes the rest of the week. Some other Wednesday DMPs. Amari Cooper still in concussion protocol. Uh, it's kind of sounding like Joe Flacco is going to get another start. Dorian Thompson Robinson not necessarily in the clear. So we're probably looking at Flacco, but hey, got to wonder about Amari Cooper. Also, Kareem Hunt got a midweek DMP. Now, both those guys are veterans. Both those guys have been there, done that. Both guys are constantly usually dealing with injuries. So we don't know how serious these are. These may have just been a veteran rest day. But for Cooper especially, who left last Sunday's game with the concussion uh, protocol, he is still going to be a question going into this weekend. Other DMPs from yesterday, Isaiah Pacheco with a shoulder injury, uh, did not practice. Derek Carr dealing with concussion protocol. Still a chance Carr could play, but he's still in protocol Taysom Hill also showing up with a DMP, a couple of injuries there, foot and a hand. 
is the issue for Taysom Hill. So Thursday is going to be important for all those guys. Uh, certainly we'll see if Amari Cooper gets out there, but again, he's in protocol right now. Kareem Hunt kind of becoming a 50-50 split with Jerome Ford. He would be important as well. Chase Brown, who we got our first look at on Monday night for the uh, Bengals, he was limited with a hamstring injury. Uh, Ray is back with us. Uh, Ray, it does sound like Zach Wilson has accepted the challenge. He will be the starting quarterback for the Jets, at least for this week. And thankfully, Ray, the Minnesota Vikings have come to their senses. Uh, they will go with Joshua Dobbs on the road at the Raiders this weekend. Yeah, the right call with Wilson. We'll see. Dobbs, again, is the right call as well. Uh, obviously, all eyes are on Justin Jefferson. Can Dobbs get the ball to Jefferson? What happens if Dobbs turns the ball over? The coaching staff obviously took a long time to make the decision to make him the starter. If he throws a pick, struggles in the first half, do they replace him? Um, so there's a level of trepidation with starting Dobbs this week, even with his ability with the arm and the legs. But big story is obviously the return of Jefferson and what the offense looks like now that things are different than the last time he was on the field. And obviously role with Jefferson and his return. Uh, Dallas Goddard, it, it sounds like he's going to be back, Ray. And that's another guy you just roll him out there. I, I doubt many people have better tight end options. And, uh, you know, the Goddard owner has to be feeling pretty lucky because I think when that injury first occurred, we thought he was going to be out four or five weeks. Mm -hmm. I guess what's he going to miss one or two games and, and possibly be back this weekend. Yeah, we did hear the OC. Was it the OC saying they need to reestablish the run? So, you know, it's hard to look at Goddard and think he's getting eight targets, but he's been very successful for a couple of years now getting six and he could step right back in, fill that role, catch three or four passes, give you 50, 60 yards with a potential to score a touchdown. Uh, so, yeah, I agree with you. I think that for the majority of people, Dallas Goddard goes back into their starting lineup, though a lot of people have made moves and, Maybe they yeah. do have some back and forth on who to play this week. They can ask us here on the show over in Discord at FantasyGuru.com. Bears are going to be uh, hosting Detroit on Sunday at Soldier Field. It sounds like they will have a trio of guys in their backfield, Herbert, Johnson, and now Dante Foreman. Uh, we touched on this yesterday, but uh, throw your hands up. Who knows who's going to get the football for that game on Sunday. Uh, let's see. Darren Waller won't play in Week 14, but he is hoping for Week 15 with that long-term hamstring injury. And then uh, we should mention just because, gosh, this guy's been a part of our fantasy lives for about 15 years. Robbie Gold has retired, Ray. Uh, calling it quits. I think he's like 41 or yesterday was his 41st birthday. Hasn't kicked at all this season. Uh, with the Bears, certainly with your 49ers. And for a kicker, Ray, mm -hmm. a good career for Robbie Gold. Very good career. Yeah. And there was a lot of people in the Bay Area that were hoping he would stay around. Obviously, the Niners went in a different direction with Moody. But Gould had a very good career. Lasting that long is impressive. Even for kickers, they're still human beings. I know, I know. But uh, he's done. he did his job very, very well. So hats off to him. Ray doesn't respect him enough to play him in a fantasy league because he's a kicker. But Ray paying lip service to the uh, success Correct. of his career. <laughs> Robbie Gould. Um, okay, so let's get set for Thursday night. Um, everybody take a good nap. Actually, you don't need to. You can take a nap during the game tonight. Uh, you'll be fine. Uh, get to bed early. You won't miss a thing. Uh, I want to thank Ryan Clifford for joining us. Uh, Ray, thanks for fighting through all the uh, internet gremlins uh, mm -hmm. this afternoon. Uh, we'll do it again tomorrow. We'll have a full recap of all 17 points between the uh, Patriots and the uh, Steelers. <laughs> Let's hope. I, what do you, you got the under or the over here, Ray? 30 points. Uh, under. I'm going under too. Jeez. Yeah. I think the Steelers roll here, like 20 to 3. 20 to 3, something like that. 20 yeah. to 3, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Rolling on Thursday night football. Uh, thanks to Ryan Clifford. Column's going to be up if you're looking for showdown help. We've also got write-ups for NBA and NHL.
tonight. So if you play those DFS sports, make sure to check out the uh, columns. Ray's game day article. Um, almost. What would you call it, Ray? Um, the, the length of that sucker. Is it a diatribe? Is that what you're doing? Like you just uh, let loose for 8,000 words? Uh, no, it's it's at least 13,000 every week. 13. Uh, so, yeah, it's uh, it's not a diatribe, but it's a lot. There's yeah. graphs and charts and hopefully there's some information in there. It's kind of a gateway drug, if you will, to the week, because then we have more specific articles on running backs and wide receivers and all that. But uh, mm-hmm. kind of an overarching uh, review of what to expect. It's a lot of work and uh, hopefully the people enjoy it. Show me those hands that have to pound out 13,000 words, Ray. What are they looking like? Ooh, man. Look rough. They're okay. well, they're same as always, which is, I guess, yeah, I mean, it looks like, Ray, you've been working in the fields all day with, with yeah, those hands. No, my gosh. My neck. Yeah. Oh, it's hard rough, rough, at home. Gig, rough gig for Ray Flowers. Uh, we'll meet back again tomorrow, Ray, 11 a.m. Enjoy Thursday night football and uh, see you on Friday, okay? Sounds good, Cal. Tyler Beaker going to join us tomorrow as well. Should be fun. 11 a.m. Eastern. This has been Fantasy Sports Daily Powered by fantasyguru.com.